Welcome to the 25th episode of the Red Sox Unfiltered Podcast. This is the Big 2-5. I am your host, Patrick Green. Joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Dave Latham. Dave, say hi to everybody. Oh, I don't know how lovely I am, but I'm here. You know, I'm ready. Let's go. Baseball. ALCS. Yeah, ALCS. We made it through the ALDS. It was a really fun series, and now we get the Astros in redemption from 2017. Uh, yeah, that starts tonight at 8.09 p.m. Eastern on TBS. Don't know why it's 8.09. That seems like a weird start time to me, but it's 8.09 o'clock. So that'll be fun. Um, and today we have kind of a different episode. This is probably going to be shorter than the the usual Red Sox Unfiltered episode. Um, it's just a short preview. And then we're actually going to record tomorrow with Chris Terzine. Um Sorry if I butchered his last name. I do it all the time. I'll get it one day. But we'll record that tomorrow, too. So we're just giving you a little bit of content to preview the ALCS and then talk about what happened in Game 3 and Game 4 of the ALDS because, man, was that fun. Uh, let's just get right into this, Dave. Let's get into the uh, ALDS recap kind of game. We'll start with Game 3, then go a little bit of Game 4. Well, let, let's have fun here. So Game 3, that was, uh, that was a romp. Just straight up, 16-1 to victory. Nathan Avoldi pitched very well. Seven innings, one earned run, five strikeouts to zero, walks. There was a little bit of controversy of if Nathan Avoldi should have actually made that start. And I think, you know, obviously hindsight is um, is a thing, but he pitched <laughs> splendidly. Uh, that was really nice to see. And he's had success against the New York Yankees all year. I know it's a small sample, but he just continues to bear down and do awesome against this really tough Yankees lineup. So that was great to see. Uh, what were your thoughts on his performance, Dave? Oh, it was magnificent. I absolutely loved everything I saw. You know, he was great against the Yankees in the two starts he had against them. I think technically he had three starts, but one of them he went two innings and a yeah. tune-up for the postseason. That doesn't count. But... Yeah, he was absolutely phenomenal, and it was how long his stuff played up that really impressed me. He was in the seventh inning, and he was still hitting 100 miles an hour on his fastball. It's like, how are you doing that? You've played through a whole season, and you still are able to do that. He laid everything on the line, and it was absolutely remarkable to watch. I know he's a free agent at the end of the season, but I really hope we bring him back. He's been great for us this year. He's really been a godsend, because... If that, without him, Eddie Rodriguez is probably starting Game 3 or Game 4, and Eddie, I love the guy, but he doesn't do that. He's not going to perform the way Evaldi did. We'd probably go to a Game 5 if um, we didn't make the Evaldi trade. Yeah, you actually answered my follow-up question to that, which was how important was it going to be to bring him back in the offseason? Because I think right now he's one of your biggest targets, um, in term, especially in terms of retaining players. Um, Steve Pierce also obviously comes to mind because dude's a beast and a Yankee killer. But Nate Voldy has really carved out a nice role for himself in the back mid of this rotation. He's really stepped up since being traded in July. Um, he had a rough patch. I think August, where it looked like he would not make a start for the Red Sox in the postseason um, and being a bullpen guy, but he has stepped up in a big way, had a really big September, came back, and this postseason, I know it's one start, but that was so apparent. That was so huge. It was great to see Evoldi just finesse his way through that lineup. Um, yeah, so Nathan Evoldi, uh, it's too early before I get into like actually thinking about off-season mode and who the Red Sox should make, what makes financial sense. But sitting here with a very biased perspective and seeing how well Evoldi has done, I, I'm, I'm on the bring the Nathan Evoldi back to the Red Sox train as of now. Probably will stick on it. No reason not to. He 
wouldn't cost that much either. Yeah, and another thing to factor in, too, is we know he can pitch well in Fenway. Fenway is anything but a pitcher's park, so if you're bringing in an outside guy who hasn't had that much experience in Fenway, you don't know how well that's going to go if he gives up, you know, bloop 320 uh, feet fly balls to left field. Well, in Fenway, that's a homer instead of a routine out, and we know Evaldi can handle that, so there's a lot of value in that, too. Yeah, that is 100% true. you got to think about the ballpark dimensions, which are really different in Fenway Park. So having a guy like Evaldi who's kind of proven himself um, at that ballpark, it's, it's, it's awesome. And he should be hopefully in a Red Sox uniform in 2019. Go Nathan Avoldi. Really turned it around. That cutter has done wonders. Um, and another thing that happened in Game Three, which besides the obvious route of the Yankees, this was the biggest storyline. Avoldi uh, pitched great, but how can you outdo a Brock Holt cycle? Uh, he hit the, his home run to get the. I didn't even know he was a home run away from the cycle. I kind of missed it because there was so much going on in the lineup anyway. Uh, A lot of hits that I kind of lost that Holt was a home run away from the cycle. And it was off Austin Roma in a position player. Um, But yeah, Holt hit the first cycle in postseason history. And he concluded that with that home run to right field in short porch in Yankee Stadium. But that's his second of his career. I know cycles can be a little overblown and they're just kind of a random assortment of outcomes, but that is impressive. It was really cool to watch. Uh, the dugout went crazy at, towards like that was the ninth inning. So, yeah, Holt, Holt, congratulations on your cycle, buddy. That was cool to watch. What were your thoughts on this? How impressed were you that Brock Holt was able to get the cycle? So Alex Cora clearly follows our Twitter feed because I spent the entirety of Game 2 tweeting out it started off as, you know, like the normal Brock Holt should be playing in this game, and it just turned oh, yeah. into kind of loudly screaming at the world that Brock Holt is better than Eduardo Nunez and Ian Kinsler, and why isn't he playing? Alex Cora clearly got that message. You know, I'd appreciate a shout-out in the next post-conference, buddy, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll just be happy to see Brock Holt out there. And Brock Holt hitting for a cycle is such a Brock Holt thing to do. He's such um. I don't think he should ever be a 162-game starter, but he's just so good at whatever it is he's asked to do. So hitting the cycle, you know, I'm really proud of him. I like Brock Holt, and, you know, it's just great to watch. But I do, um, if we have time, I do have a little side story about David Ortiz almost hitting for a cycle if we got time. Oh, of course we got time. I got all the time in the world. Yeah. So back in uh, May of 2016, I graduated from college, and my graduation gift to myself slash my my then-girlfriend was uh, we went to Fenway Park to go see the Red Sox play the Indians. We got the student nines basically the last day we were eligible to, and we just, we killed the Indians. We beat the crap out of them. It was like nine to two or something like that, and entering the top, the bottom of the, the bottom of the eighth. David Ortiz had a single, a double, and a home run, and he needed a triple to get the cycle. And obviously, it's David Ortiz. He's not going to do that. I was expecting that. But his last at bat, he hits it. And from where I was sit, I was in uh, the cheap standing room. I couldn't see like right center field that well. But David Ortiz hits it, and he crushes it. But not a homer. It goes to the triangle. And from where I'm sitting, I'm thinking, oh, my God, David Ortiz is about to hit for the cycle. And I'm, like, jumping up and down. I'm like, oh, my God, it's happening. It's happening. But apparently the ball just, like, it hit off the uh, center field wall on a bounce and fell into the 
fell into the bullpen. So it was a ground rule double, but it oh would have been gosh. a triple. And for like five seconds there, I thought I was witnessing David Ortiz hit for the cycle. And it was amazing. That's five seconds of my life. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a really cool moment to witness. I, I don't remember that. What year was that? 2016. 2016. Okay. Wow. Okay. His final year too. So yeah. like he would have. That would have been like something. Made like it even more books. cool. Yeah. That would have been a game that went down in history. Probably the baseball would have been in the hall. Baseball Hall of Fame. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I go to like maybe one or two Red Sox games a year. Me I'm too. not. I don't live in Boston. I live up in Maine. Back then, I lived in New Hampshire. So it's a bit of a bit of a hike to get out it. Yeah. To get there, but when I go, like. Imagine that. That would have been Imagine great. Imagine that, yeah. The the off chance you actually go ever in a given year and you see a David Ortiz cycle. Look, I've been to two Red Sox games this year, and this is a 108-win team, right? So obviously there's a good chance you show up to the ballpark anywhere and they're going to win. Um, I'm 0-2 when they went, and like the games have not been pretty. One came against the Yankees in June, and it was the game Erod started. He got absolutely shelled. Yankees were actually winning the division at that point. Ha, that did not last long. And then I went to a Phillies-Red Sox game, and the Phillies won. So they're 0-2 when I went. I'm not going to go to any games for the next couple of years. You know, give myself some time. And the Red Sox don't need me in the audience, clearly. They don't need my support. I like to watch comfortably from my home now. But, yeah, that would have been real cool. David Ortiz, like, just how rare it is for Ortiz to leg out a triple, that would have been, oh, that would have been something. But um, along the lines of the Brockholt cycle, I do want to mention something because you and I, uh, I would like to formally issue an apology because you and I both thought that the Red Sox should retain Devin Marrero instead of... Oh, Brock I was Holt. hoping you wouldn't bring that up. <laughs> I'm going to bring it up. Someone on Twitter. No, I saw that. Yeah, you, you must have seen it too. They <laughs> dug up like an old article. first article I ever wrote. <laughs> and in it, it was about Brockholt versus Devin Marrero because there weren't many positional battles, but that was one of them. Yeah. I argued for Devin Marrero because, you know, he's the better fielder over Holt. You didn't really need offense on this team. And with Holt's uh, concussion and vertigo issues, you didn't know if he could stay healthy anymore. So, whoops. Whoops. You know, I mean, I was in the same boat. It's been a bad year for me in terms of prediction because I was the one who said, too. Like, I, I wholeheartedly agreed with you that the Red Sox should have kept Devin Marrero. I mean... Obviously, that looks so stupid. I also picked the Yankees to win the division. So uh, a lot of, lot of. I had the, the Red Sox. I had the Red Sox. Give me Sox. that one. I think, I think we both took the Astros in the World Series, right? Can we go back to the archives? Yeah, and I don't necessarily disagree with that one right now, but I think our chances are a lot better now than I thought they were in April. I agree. I agree. So I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll do our predictions at the end. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah, later, or we can do so. it tomorrow because we need content for tomorrow. We're starving for it. So true. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably we'll probably yeah. talk about it tomorrow. But yeah, uh, Holt definitely the right decision. Um, but what about Alex Cora's decision? Uh, game four. He Brock Holt obviously had the cycle. Raphael Devers was inserted the lineup for the first time in the division series. He did well too. They both were a nice change of pace from Kinsler and Nunez, who had struggled in the first two games. But then in game four against the lefty CC Sabathia, Cora took Holt and Devers out in favor of Kinsler and Nunez. What did you at the time? What were your thoughts about that? Did you, did you think he made the right decision? So at the time, because Pat, you really should have never given me access to the Twitter page. I basically just went job. on like a 50, 50 tweet storm, like just saying, I don't care about lefty righty matchups. Kinsler and Nunez cannot hit their, well, Kinsler's a defensive upgrade, but Nunez really isn't. Why are these guys playing? Give, 
you give yourself the best chance to win if you put Devers and Holt in the lineup. So naturally, Devers and, or excuse me, Nunez and Kinsler score, uh, drove in two of our four runs, and Christian Vasquez, who I wasn't that hot on playing over Swihart, ends, ends up you know driving in a third. So we don't win that game if Cora doesn't make those moves, and maybe you know Alex Cora knows something about managing ball clubs that I don't. Yeah, Alex Cora seems pretty good at this. Um, yeah, I was a little taken aback that Holt, especially Holt, who had just hit for the cycle, wasn't in the lineup. Um, I know Nunez is just not very good at baseball. Sorry, Nunez, but he came through. I mean, they combined for three to eight, and as you said, two of the four RBIs. So they're very instrumental in that way. And Nunez had the big play at first base to actually clinch the ALDS when he threw. I mean, that was a tough play. He was pre- he was playing fairly back, and he had to really come in and make a really strong throw, especially because you know it was in his head that he had already screwed up a couple throws in the series. So it was really critical he made that throw. And but I'll. I'll all shout out to Steve Pierce too. That stretch, my goodness, oh my, my God. boy, my and Steve Pierce is a sneaky good defender. Like his his defensive metrics are really akin to Mitch Moreland, who people put on a pedestal with their defensive metrics. I don't know. I've we've been through this a lot. I love Steve Pierce. I think Steve Pierce should be a starting first baseman every damn day. But yeah, Steve Pierce. He and and Eduardo Nunez made a big play. So um, obviously, Cora made the right decision. Actually, you gotta trust the process over the result. I mean, the left-hander. Um, you have that edge to Kinsler and Nunez a little bit because you're playing the matchups. I didn't think Cora was that big on the matchups going into the year. Maybe this showed a little bit of an evolution in his managerial thinking. And as you said, Kinsler's the upgrade defensively. So I wasn't that mad about it. But I was a little taken aback that he didn't ride the hot hand with Brock Holt because I feel like a lot of managers would have made that gut reaction decision said okay what has Holt done for me lately oh he's hit a freaking cycle let me insert him in the lineup but Cora's a little bit smarter he's a little bit he's I feel like he's just a little bit more um, intuitive about that stuff and he's he's more cerebral and he made the right decision so Good for and, and not Cora. only that, but like game three, Holt was playing against Severino, who you know you got the lefty righty, but whatever. They were but over twenty over the right? course of his career. Severino has dominated yeah. Holt. I mean, Same with if you're looking strictly at the numbers, you could have made a very strong argument for Kinsler over Holt that game. Yeah, and I think Cora is smart about that too, because those are really small sample size. Whenever you have an inherent pitcher versus batter matchup, for the most part, it's going to be really paltry, and it's not really indicative of how they're going to do in the future. Um, Severino is obviously a good. Pitcher pitcher and Devers and Holt don't have a great track record of offense to this point in their careers so I think it was skewed and I think Cora saw through that and he saw the righty on the mound and he was like let's change this up let's look past the small sample size and go Alex Cora I love I love my manager hashtag my manager um, hashtag my manager hashtag forever my manager. and ever forever and ever uh, game four narrowly holding on to clinch that 4-3 victory which we just alluded to and Kimbrell had a mini meltdown in the night like the Red Sox were cruising it was four Christian Vasquez had a freaking home run if that's an indicator of how the night was going um, but Kimbrell had a mini melt and it was like what 300 feet it barely got out thank you Yankee Stadium yeah, that, that's a pop fly everywhere else that's a Yankee Stadium home run that's a Didi Gregorius special sorry about that guys Tommy John surgery <laughs> 2019 apologies um but yeah Kimbrell had a mini meltdown in the ninth he surrendered two runs and uh he he it, he did close the game with two runners on base but it was it was tough he could not get his curveball over for the most part um his fastball even his fastball he struggled with that command he eventually did it so 
we're not as mad as we should be, but were you concerned with Kimbrel's um, little little meltdown in the ninth? Yeah, very much so. Um, again, I was running the Twitter feed because you make really bad decisions and let me do things like that. And you know, I will say it again, you are a great from the time Kimbrel comes into the game to when the bases were loaded and Sanchez was up. You can basically see me going through all seven stages of grief. Um, it was I was not very comfortable with anything that was going on there. Kimbrel couldn't locate his anything really. His fastball, his curveball, especially the curveball. And, you know, it was just, it was frustrating to watch. He obviously got out of it, but man, he really has a flair for the dramatic lately. I mean, he got the job done and that's great, but you had Barnes and Brazier and Sale just plow through the order, no problem. Porcello was great on the day, but Kimbrell just, he almost, he almost single-handedly blew it. And obviously that would have been bad. So, <laughs> yeah, Kimbrell... I mean, for a two-pitch pitcher, not having one of your pitches is really not ideal. And that, that was the curveball command. He did not, not it, like it had the depth. It just was, he couldn't load. It was just really poorly executed each and every time. Um, so hopefully he can work through that. But yeah, of late, it's definitely been a little bit of a struggle. It hasn't been the same Craig Kimbrell as we saw in 2017. Uh, do you think they should have stuck with Chris Sale, who pitched a masterful 1-2-3 eighth inning, um, and had him go the ninth? Do you think that's the route Alex Cora should have gone? Um, I think in hindsight it would have been good, but at the time I would not have done that just because you need Chris, you need Chris Sale for Saturday's game against the Astros, and if Sale goes two innings and say Sale blows, that's not, like I don't expect that to happen. But hypothetically, let's say he did. Who's starting Game Five? The only like pitcher you have that's even remotely fully rested is David Price. Do you really want David Price starting Game Five of a playoff game against the New York Yankees? Because your other option is. Sale on very short rest, or Nathan Avaldi on very short rest. And frankly, I'm not sure what you really do there. You either send Sale out at 60, Avaldi out at like 40%, or Price out at 100. There's really no good choice. Because Sale only threw 13 pitches or something. If Kimball blew that, Sale could have started Game 5, and it's Chris Sale. So I like our chances in Game 5. Yeah, but, I, I yeah, agree. Yeah, you had to think, yeah I think that's the right there. choice. Kimball just almost didn't do his job. Which would have been catastrophic, but yeah, then we would have had Chris Sale Game 5. We don't even have to think about these hypotheticals, because they didn't happen. Red Sox are going to the ALCS. Um, Kimbrell's performance was a little concerning. I don't think they necessarily should have stuck with Chris Sale. I think that would have been a really good story. I think, I mean, they're what, like, you have to play when you're managing these playoff games like there is no tomorrow for the most part, but there would have been a tomorrow for the Boston Red Sox, and Cora was thinking about that, so I get it. I might have for what, for what it's worth, though, I would have gone, like, I thought Barnes was going to go two innings, Brazier was going to handle the eighth, then Kimbrell comes into the ninth, and if all hell breaks loose, you'll throw Sale in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, but, have that contingency. Yeah, or Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly was warming up uh, when Craig Kimbrell was having his meltdown. That would have been, okay, that would have been kind of poetic if Joe Kelly came in, bottom of the ninth, two outs, bases low. Let, let, let's say uh, Torres reached and the throw just didn't reach him in time. So then they had bases loaded, two outs in the ninth. Joe Kelly comes in. Uh, I don't know who would have been up, but I feel like that would have been a nice little story. So, so that would have been the top of the order. Torres is hitting ninth that game, oh, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Was so, he? I, <laughs> or was it Gardner? I can't remember. It, I can't remember either, man. It, it could have been Gardner who was up, or it could have been McCutcheon, because I believe McCutcheon was leading off. So, yeah. W w one I, of think it was, I think it was Torres 8, Gardner 9. So that would have been Kelly against Gardner, who he's dominated. And that, 
that would have been pretty great for Kelly to end it. Like, he started the season by physically killing the Yankees, and he could have, you know, actually d- finished the job. But Kimbrell had to go and actually do his job. Yeah, Stupid I know. Kimbrell. Come on, Craig. That was not good for this, the narrative. Because then it would have been Kelly's... together, buddy. Yeah, it would have been Kelly's season. This is to summarize Kelly's season. If this happened, it would have been having the famous brawl with the Yankees and literally killing them, and then having like three or four months of just straight ass. And then you have this saving <laughs> moment of just saving it in the ninth in the most clutch way. And then it would have been like all those three, four months of just horrible baseball expunged it joe kelly show again everyone getting joe kelly fight club shirts so uh and not only that but he's a free agent after the year that probably made him an extra 15 million a year yeah i know so uh that'll damn it craig damn it craig yeah but uh in all seriousness i'm happy he buckled down a little bit because alcs baby and now we're gonna we're gonna preview this actually to to preface this i want to ask you a question here first so vasquez caught both game three and game four a little bit surprising because sandy leone has kind of been the stalwart and uh, Christian Vasquez never caught Rick Porcello. Rick Porcello has gone on record numerous times and praised Sandy Leone as his best call catcher who can call games. And then they went with Vasquez, and Vasquez did well. I think Vasquez is a pretty good play caller. Um, I don't know if he's Sandy Leone light, but you know, I, you can't quantify it anyway, so who the hell knows. Um, but I wanted to know how, what you envision the catching situation playing out in the ALS will be. Uh, well, I think it's going to be. Pretty much the Christian Vasquez show. Those two games in uh, Yankee Stadium really showed that, you know, Christian Vasquez, he may not be as good a a pitch caller, game manager as Sandy Leone, but Sandy cannot hit to save his life. Not that Vasquez can, but Sandy is just so remarkably terrible at hitting the baseball. Like, he has his random, like, week or two week hot stretch, and then we just go into cold Sandy. This is cold Sandy. Vasquez has the ability, he's never shown it consistently, but he has the ability to be a mediocre hitter, and that's really all we need right now. He's a pretty good defensive catcher. I know the numbers haven't been there this year, but his track record shows he's a good defensive catcher. I got to think he's going to like sort of normal out, normalize out after a little while, so I think he's going to be the guy moving forward because he at least gives you something offensively, and Sandy doesn't. And Swihart, for better or worse, they just don't trust him to catch in a postseason game. That's not happening. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, I think Sandy Leone, if he's listening, is probably won't come on the podcast because we just trashed his hitting. But, I mean, I think he got it. But I love Sandy. Though. Love Sandy. I, I mean, love Sandy. He, he's my favorite Red Sox. Not actually, but he's up there. Love the guy. But Christian Vasquez was like a 93 WRC plus last year around there, which was above average for a catcher. So he was above average hitter last year. Sandy Leone was above average in 2016. Biggest fluke of a year I've ever seen. If you want to talk about bad at ball. And, and while we were going through crap. it, everyone knew it was a fluke. Everyone like, knew think, it, but I feel I like they didn't know to the Sandy extent. Too. I, I think Sandy Leone did too, hopefully, but like I feel like... People actually thought that there was redeeming qualities in his offense. The dude ran like a 390 Babbitt that year, and then the Red Sox. He was the starting catcher with Christian Vasquez. He, they, they were. Oh man, I'm sorry. Cindy's a good defender. Red Sox probably should get a catcher next year. I mean, Christian Vasquez. We say he's an offensive upgrade, which I think he is. I mean, he has those occasional 500 foot bombs. He played an instrumental role in Game Four and Game Three offensively. But the dude had a 42 WRC plus. That is so 
bad. The gun is so bad. But then you're like, okay, wait, Sandy Leone had a 33 WRC+. Plus. You're like, I, it can't get worse from a 42 WRC+. Plus. Oh, wait, it can. And it's living proof in Sandy Leone form. So... Um, not a lot of great options. You could go the Blake Swihart route, who's got like a 50-60 WRC+. Plus. You're picking from a lot of bad options offensively, but there's a lot of good options in the lineup besides that. In, in defense of Blake, though, that uh, 50 or 60, whatever it is, WRC+, plus, that's really weighed down from like the first three months, where when you'd see action, it was one game at a time, and he never had a chance to get hot. Yeah, um... He didn't have a great August September either. I think he came. Out I mean, I'm not saying he's good. I'm just yeah. saying he's offensively, offensive he's the best of the bunch, which is a really low bar. So yeah. don't take this as a like in Blake Swihart's going in the Hall of Fame. He's not. I'm just he has he has the best bet of a bad bunch. I agree, especially from an offensive perspective. I think Leona Vasquez are both defensive upgrades. Vasquez's defensive uh, play has been. It's just been interesting to me because he was so heralded last year. I wrote an article about July and just like everything across the board for Vasquez had just deteriorated on defense of how we can quantify it. His pitch framing went from above average to just horrible. His pop time to second base went from really good to horrible. His caught stealing percentage, guess what? good to horrible so like everything that you can like even his drs and use it everything you can quantifiably measure for a catcher i just don't know how it had such a big landslide but it did uh, i don't know how those held up for the last month of the season when he played i'd have to go back and check um but it couldn't have moved the needle that much vasquez the the decline was real i don't know how much we're thinking because it's a small sample size defensive metrics are hard but when you're just Something went wrong, man. Something went horribly wrong for Vasquez. Hopefully he can figure it out, um, and it looks like he kind of is. So, yay, Christian Vasquez. Um, yeah, game one, 8.09 Eastern time on TBS. Watch it. I don't have Fox Sports 1 on my television. My, my apartment cable does not give me Fox Sports 1, which is what they're producing all the games on national for the National League on, which is fortunate in a way because if this was the Red Sox, I don't know what I would do. I'd probably be going out every night spending a lot of money. Um, but I have TBS, so we're, we're cool. But I can't watch the Brewers-Dodgers. It sucks. I, I really wanted to watch yesterday's game, and I was like, oh, wait, yeah, don't go for I got, like, Fox Sports South. I got Fox Sports Southeast. I got all these variations of South, but I don't have Fox Sports 1. Weird. Weird complaint. I'm sorry you had to listen to that. Um, <laughs> but uh, pitching matchup of the ages tonight, Justin Verlander versus Chris Sale, a rematch of last year, which uh, if... For those who are big Red Sox fans, probably recalled did not go very well for the Red Sox and Chris Sale. But what do you expect from these guys tonight, Dave? Oh, well, I'm expecting so much because last year when we were going into the playoffs, the 2017 Red Sox were a very beat-up unit in September, October. Like, I don't, like, I, I pretty much had us written off in four games at best, which is what ended up happening. But this time... Core's managerial um, conservation, whether it's injury luck, whether you think that he actually made a difference. Um, this Red Sox team is a lot healthier and a lot better shape. And Chris Sale showed against the Yankees that he's ready to go into the postseason. He's feeling great. He has his fastball. He has his slider. He has everything he needs. So really, to me, this is the matchup of the two best pitchers in the American League. And it's going to be a fantastic can't-miss game. And these are arguably the two best offenses in baseball. Personally, I'd put it Red Sox, Yankees, then Astros. But this is just, it's going to be such a fantastic series. They're really the two best teams in baseball with their two best pitchers in the American League going up against each other. It's can't-miss stuff. And win, lose, or 
well, there's no draw, but win or lose, it's going to be a remarkable series to watch. Like this is what baseball is all about, right here. Yeah, there's no draw. You can't you can't be a Cleveland Brown in the MLB playoffs or in baseball in general. But um, I, I will say that when you were talking about the best lines in baseball, you notably forgot the Oakland Athletics, who actually have the same WRC plus this season. They're as fourth. Team. They're the, fourth. As, and the Dodgers actually have the best in baseball. Did you know that? Isn't that weird? Yeah, Wait, really? Yeah, I think they had they, they had 111 WRC plus, which was tied with the Yankees for the best. Uh, Manny Machado has really done well. I don't know if you're paying attention. I haven't because I don't have Fox Sports. I, one, I know that he has uh, four hits in the postseason. Three of them are homers. Three of them are homers. So uh, yeah, the Dodgers lineup has really turned it around. I mean, their pitching was the problem. Look, this is a Red Sox podcast, Damon. I'm not going to get into the Dodgers Brewers, but uh, I, I will give one Machado thought. I absolutely hate the guy, but if he were a Red Sox, he'd be one of my favorite players. He's one of those guys. <laughs> I, I I like watching Machado play, um, and I think uh, it's the, a lot better now that he's not an Oriole. Yeah, but I think there might be a really realistic chance that he could be a New York Yankee last year, especially Didi Gregorius is going to miss some time in 2019 with the Tommy John surgery. So uh, yeah, I'm going to have to start getting my Manny Machado hatred going. Just kidding. He's Swear to God, player. if Machado goes from Orioles to playing us in the World Series to Yankees, I don't even know what I'll do. I I don't either. Like. I would have to. I'd be forced to just dislike everything about Manny Machado, and I don't like. I think he's a. He's a. He's so fun to watch. He's a. Fan, he's a phenomenal player. Oh, he is. He really yeah, is. Yeah, Manny. Manny. Manny M. I mean, I don't think there's a way the Red Sox get him, and we'll probably talk about this for months because we'll have nothing to talk about in the the dead of the off season. But uh, Machado is. But we'll a, keep spewing out content. We'll, we'll keep spewing us. out content, and we might rehash the same stuff, but we'll keep spewing it out. Um, Get ready to hear a lot about our 60th ranked prospect in the farm system because we have to talk about something. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about who's the 60th ranked prospect in your mind right now, Dave. Give, give me a name. I don't, I don't know. Putting you on the spot. I don't know. Uh, oh, who, who the hell is that? See, I don't. I don't even know. Sam Travis for the Sea Dogs. He's a career minor leaguer. Can't hit for power. He had a he had a career year in 2017. Regressed to the mean this year. I can't wait to have a whole episode dedicated to him in November. (laughs) (laughs) It's something Chad, on the off chance you're a listener, uh, you know, hit us up. We'd love to have you on. Yeah, we'd love to have you on. Um, So, what kind of lineup changes do you envision for tonight? Do you do you think Holt or Devers are going to be in the lineup? What are your thoughts? Um, I'd probably go probably go Holt at the very least. Um, I'd want Devers in there, but if you put Nunez in, I wouldn't complain that much. I think. you know, these guys give you give you the best chance to win against Verlander. But on the counterpoint, it's Verlander. No matter who you have in there, they're probably going to struggle to hit him. And we have Sale. It's going to be a close game. I can see why you'd want the defense because every single run is going to matter. I, I'm a full believer that great pitching beats great hitting most of the time. And these are great pitchers. So I can see this being a 3-2, 4-3 type game. So I really don't know what I'd do. I'd probably go Holt Devers, but if... Cora goes Kinsler Nunez. I totally understand the rationale behind that. Yeah, I think Holden Devers proved that they should be in the lineup against righties, so I think maybe they will have uh, them in there. Tanaka was a he's a righty, and they Kinsler Nunez played, but Tanaka's also a righty who hits a sh- a crap ton of I was going to say bad explicit on here, which we can't say, but uh, he he induces a lot of ground balls with his splitter and obviously Devers and Holt are defensively inferior 
uh, marginally with Nunez, but um, that's probably why, because they knew there were a lot of balls hit on the ground, why they didn't play them. I think, for the most part, we're going to see Holt and Devers in against righties, and I hope that's the same tonight. In terms of first base, I think they're going to get Moreland back in there, even though I... I vehemently disagree with that. Probably more than the Holt Devers, which a lot of people have taken exception with. I want Pierce in there, uh, and I do. Has his hamstring, Mitch Marland. Yeah, he's he's got the hamstring. I, I I haven't heard much about it. We'll we'll see with what happens with the lineup today, um, and going forward if that's indicative of how his hamstring is feeling. But I think that's why Pierce was in there against. Uh, some of the righties towards the end of the series. Um, that is going to play a big role, but I think Moreland, if he's healthy, um, will be in there. And I think Christian Vasquez, no, actually I would say Sandy Leon goes in tonight because Sandy's defensive acumen with Chris Sale is just too tantalizing for Core to pass up. So that's my prediction for the lineup. Um, do you have anything to go off of with that, Dave, or should we move on to the next topic? Um, I've only got one thought on the Sandy and Vasquez thing. I do think it's going to be Sandy just because Chris Sale prefers Sandy and it's sort of like the John Lester David Ross thing when it's the ace of the stats he can dictate who the catcher is like I don't want like I don't care about you know the number three or number four saying like well I want this guy it's like well that's too bad you're not the ace but the ace gets to do what he wants yeah like last year when Doug Fister was demanding Sandy Leone be in over Christian Vasquez I was having none of that (laughs) that's weird Doug Fister is not in a position to make those demands um, and yet he did it, and it worked. Did. It, it did work, but he's not in a position. I, <laughs> uh, Dougie Doug. Didn't Doug Fist? Yeah, Doug Fister pitched well in that series. Good for Doug. Um, well, not that series, but... Not that series, but the end of the, September, end of the year. Yeah, he was our number three pitcher, which... which where the weird. hell did that come from? Yeah, that, yeah that's Chris how you was number one, trouble. which you expect. And number two and three were Drew Pomeranz and Doug Fister. Gosh, what an what, evolution. What a year. That, yeah. that team won 93 games, and they couldn't hit. <laughs> they could not hit for crap. Uh, and it's a lot of the same guys. Alex Cora, you're you're a magician. Um, changing the approach. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, Chili Davis fired from the Cubs. Oh, maybe we make a reunion tour? Maybe you do a co- uh, God, no. God, no. <laughs> I think this is a sign that Chili Davis probably should not be near a dugout. Sorry, Chili. But, uh, yeah, not, not uh, looking too good for old Chili Davis. Not at all. Um, so, who's your player to watch in this series, Dave? My player to watch? Um, for the Red Sox, it's Mookie Betts, because we all know how fantastic he is in the regular season. He's probably going to win MVP this year. Just about every st- statistic you can find backs up that this guy's incredible. Except in the postseason, and it's obviously a very small sample size, not the same guy. He had a 27, I believe, WRC plus against the Yankees in the ALDS, and it continued a bad trend where just in the postseason, the guy just struggles. Now, he's only played 11 postseason games, so you really can't make too many wild leaping conclusions based on that. But the fact is that just, you know, it hasn't been great for Mookie, and if we're going to make it out of the ALCS, we're going to need him to start hitting. For the Astros, George Springer. The dude is just... He's a good player most of the time, but in the postseason, he just turns it on. He had three homers and three games against the Indians, and I believe it's his last seven games. He has seven home runs. So this is a guy you obviously know about Altuve. You know about Correa, although he's a little banged up. But George Springer, who's, I won't call him under the radar, but he um, he's really probably the third guy that you really have to worry about offensively. Yeah. 
Yeah, because Bregman too. Bregman's a postseason monster. When people are now talking, yeah, could have gone Bregman. Yeah, too. yeah, they're, they're interchangeable. But like now, when people are starting to think about okay, clutch, and they're talking about does it exist? I mean, there was a riveting article. I think it was Pete Abraham who wrote on the Boston Globe about Alex Cora and his belief. It might have been Alex Spear, probably Alex Spear. Alex Spear's good at his job. Um, so is Pete. That's not a shot. That sounded like a shot. It wasn't. But. Um, uh, it was about his philosophy of clutch, and now the, I think the example they used was Alex Bregman is like this beacon, this face of clutch uh, play now because he is. I, it's been two years, but the guy steps up. I, uh, Alex Bregman's fun to watch, so he's my player to watch for the Astros. I didn't prepare for this segment, even though I devised it. Um, so I think Mookie Betts is definitely interesting for the Red Sox too. Does he did he get an RBI in the DS? Does he finally have one? Did that happen? Yeah, I think he got two. One of them, uh, wow. CC walked him in with the bases loaded. And um, I think he got another one like some point during the game three blowout. Good, yeah. I don't care about RBIs. I think they're a useless statistic, but that's cool because I don't have to go on Twitter and see. Especially that. for a leadoff hitter. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, the bottom of uh, the bottom of the order isn't on base that often. Except Jackie Bradley Jr. is. Uh, yeah. Did he hit 700 OPS? Do, do you have to buy a t-shirt? Yeah, I have to buy a t-shirt. Uh, the money's tight right now, but it's happening. Don't worry. It'll it'll it'll, okay. it'll come on. I'm thinking shirtsy because I, I I don't know. Did I specify? I think I said jersey, but my uh my uh, my cheapness will probably preclude me from getting a jersey. We'll probably get a we'll get a nice shirtsy there. He did. He finished like a 7.15 OPS though. Good job for, Good for you, Jackie. Yeah, yeah. So I I just got a cat. I actually named him Mookie. Found him on the street, and the yes yeah, uh-huh. shots were expensive, and you know getting all that um set situated. Um, as a cat father now, so not in a great financial situation to get a shirt seat, but that that'll happen towards the off season. Please hold me accountable for that, Dave. Um, I'm trusting okay. every podcast, every episode. Yeah. I'll just emotionally and mentally berate you until you finally break yeah, down and break, buy it. Break me down, break me down. Yeah, JBJ. Also, I'm gonna say JBJ is my player to watch because I've been watching him all season. Um, and let's go, Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, okay, so last thing before we depart, and we'll talk tomorrow. So, who's going to win this series? Who you got? Oh, who's my brain game? says. I say this my game? heart says Red Sox in seven. My brain says Astros in seven, because these teams are just—they're both so heart. good. And in my mind, this is going to be more competitive than the World Series. No disrespect to the Dodgers or Brewers, whoever makes it out of that, but. These are the two best teams in baseball, and it's going to go absolutely down to the wire. I've been going back and forth on it forever, but if I'm being completely, truly honest with myself, I think the Astros are just too good. Their starting pitching is unparalleled in baseball. Their bullpen's amazing. Their offense, one of the best in the league. Maybe the best in the league if Correa gets healthy. So, I mean, I think it's just too much to stop. I predicted it at the end of the year, and I think I even said it in our uh, season predictions article. If the Astros win the next five World Series, I will not be surprised. They've just built something amazing over there. Yeah, they definitely have. But I will say, no one in the history of human beings has ever been burnt by picking their heart over their mind. Just kidding. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick my heart over my mind, and I'm going to go uh, Boston Red Sox. Because I picked. Uh, I'm still have like this chip on my shoulder for picking the Yankees to win the freaking division. So I'm going to go Red Sox in, in six. In not seven, six. Whoa. Whoa, yeah, big time. I think the Red Sox have a lot of momentum. I think they're very evenly matched. Honestly, playoffs, crapshoot, anything could happen. Astros probably profiles a slightly better team. But I will say a lot of the run differential numbers that kind of, you know, the Astros separated themselves was kind of distorted because the Red Sox really weren't trying that hard in September, a month which, compared 
compared to other months, they struggled. I think like entering September, the Red Sox had a better run differential, base run records. Astros look a little bit better, obviously, but the Red Sox seem like a team of destiny along with the Brewers. This is arbitrary. Don't buy into this, but yeah, let's go Red Sox in six. I'm feeling it. Yeah, I will say if they played this series a hundred times, I think the Red Sox win at forty. Yeah, forty, and you know what? I like those odds. I like the forty odds. Forty percent is good enough for me to pick the Red Sox. Red Sox and six, and that's actually going to do it for this episode. Um, we'll be back tomorrow, most likely, unless something catastrophic befalls us. We plan on recording tomorrow morning, so you can listen to this episode on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and probably on the Grueling Truth platform such as iHeartRadio and Spotify, which is cool, and Stitcher. Yes, yeah, Stitcher. Um, so we'll we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Um, hopefully, game one is a nice out of the gate for the Red Sox. Chris Sale, Justin Verlander, you cannot miss it. Call out of work. Uh, people don't usually work Saturdays. Not everyone works retail like me. Quit your job. Quit your job. Quit everything. Who cares about school? Go watch Chris Sale, Justin Verlander. It's going to be the game of the year, hopefully. Going to be a good pitching matchup tonight. Um, do you have any departing thoughts, Dave, before you go channel your inner college self, your past college self at the tailgate today? Yep. Um, yeah, going to uh, UNH's homecoming. So if there's anyone from UNH who listens to this, stop by a lot, say hi. You probably won't find me because you don't know what I look like. But, hey, yeah, so um, anyway, yeah, let's go Red Sox. Let's do some damage. Just have like a, a little note on your chest that says, "This I'm Dave from RedSoxUnfiltered.com. See if anyone approaches you. I'll be the one in the UNH sweatshirt. That should really narrow it down. <laughs> that narrows the field down. Uh, yeah, so I don't have much in the way of a departing thought, but go Red Sox. I, I feel like we end the... I, I, how should I end the show from now on? Because I feel like I always say, go Red Sox, see you guys later. And it's like the same trite thing. Should we have like a, a like an ending that just kind of encapsulates everything, like a Walter Cronkite <laughs> sign-off? Before every episode, go to your nearest Chinese restaurant, ask for a fortune cookie, open it, and read whatever it is, and that'll be the departing thoughts. I can't believe you thought of that quickly. That was <laughs> that was pretty uh, interesting. Did you have that coming in, or is that just like no, uh, no? I just uh, uh, that's just like what do you think you should end it, and that yeah. just popped into my mind. Uh, I, I'll look up fortune cookie opener. Like I feel like that's a Google thing, right? That, just say, that's a it. lot easier, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, do that. Because I that's what would be a lot of like I mean, would I have to buy a? Ch- I would feel obligated to you know buy a whole meal if I went to the Chinese restaurant and then get the fortune cookie. And I again, I'm not in the financial situation to do that. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I'll open up a fortune cookie and, and we'll do that. Um, but I don't have internet access, so expect that on episode 26, which is tomorrow. Thank you guys for listening. As always, go Red Sox.